Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi, we're in month 11 of our comfort study, taken from the words that are written in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who does comfort us in all our tribulations so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Some comfort-packed verses there from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And today we're in month 11, and we are going to talk from the book of Romans, really the first chapter through the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. And today I wanted us to just talk for a few minutes about the fact that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation and the conclusion that about comfort that Paul is drawing by chapter 8 of the book of Romans. Now in Romans chapter 1, we read that verse that has become so familiar to us in verse 16. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This morning, I perused the entire book of Romans, looking for certain themes as I was I was looking through the book. I, I read most all of the book this morning. And as I was thinking about this, there's an overwhelming theme in the book of Romans, uh, as in Galatians, that... That the Jews have rejected Jesus Christ and thus the gospel has been taken by Paul primarily to the Gentile race and as he begins this book he's saying I am a Jew but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because now it has replaced the Judaic system and it is the power of God to salvation to everybody to the Jew first, and now also to the Greek. The power of God in the gospel is that surely of which none of us should be ashamed because it's our only hope. It's all that we have to hang our hats on with regard to our eternity. So that's what he says in verse 16, and it kind of becomes the theme of the book from Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Now, in your lesson, it says that by the time we get to Romans 8, verses 26 and 27, we have a huge comfort passage. When we don't know what to pray, when the anguish in our souls are so deep that we just can't find the words, in those times, the Holy Spirit makes our hearts known to God with groanings, which cannot be uttered. What in the world could I do, it says, without this assurance? that the requests born of pain, requests that I can't even articulate, are carried personally to the throne of God by His Holy Spirit, who is perfect, flawless, and never messes up on articulation. He gets the message right. After all, He's the one who wrote the Bible. The great communicator then is taking my unspoken, unspeakable pleas to the throne of the Almighty. I can't even approach the appropriate gratitude for a gift like that. I have redeemed this promise in my life 
many times. I love this comfort passage. So we've studied several times in a deeper study about the Holy Spirit, how that his miraculous work of revealing to man has already been finished, but I do not see any reason why his work in carrying my pleas to the throne in times of infirmity, in times when I cannot speak the pleas of my heart, he can take those to the Father and articulate them perfectly just as Christ is interceding as I pray through the holy name of Christ. So there's a sense in which both the Holy Spirit and Christ are interceding as I pray before the throne. And then I ask you to find a passage that speaks of this intercession of Jesus. And there is one in the chapter of interest, Romans 8, tonight that we're studying. And as we look there in Romans 8, verse 34... Let's start with verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? After all, it's God who justified them. Who can go up against God's justification? Who is he that condemns? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yea, rather that is risen again. He says he died, but the most important thing is he's risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who is making intercession for us. Well, in this passage, it clearly says that Jesus is making intercession before us at the right hand of God. Christ Jesus, who died, but more than that was raised, is at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Let's look from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, saying, um, mouth of the Holy Spirit here, Paul. And as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see a pretty succinct definition of the gospel of which we are never to be ashamed, Romans 1, 16. And in verses 3 and 4 of 1 Corinthians 15, it says, I'll start with one. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you, what? The gospel which I preached to you, which also you have received, and in which you were standing, by which also you are saved. The gospel is that by which we are saved, if we keep in memory what he preached to us, unless we believed in vain. Verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. Here it is. Here's the gospel that he delivered. How that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Wow, there we have a succinct delivery of the gospel, and that he was seen. There were witnesses of this. And last of all, he was seen of Paul also. And so then he goes ahead to say the gospel has been securely witnessed, and it is the death for our sins, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And that is the good news of which we can never, ever be ashamed. And some of the Jews, the important Jews that Paul had hobnobbed with before his conversion, were ashamed of that. They were ashamed that of the seed of David in the city of Bethlehem was born this man that they denied was the Son of God called Christ. They were ashamed 
that some of the Jews had, had gone off into believing that this man was the Son of God and that, had, that he had died for the sins of the world. But Paul said, no, I was ashamed, but I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because now I know that it's the power of God to salvation, not just to the Jews, but to all who believe, the Jew and the Greek. So he said that in Romans 1. He defined it for us in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I'm not ashamed of it in Romans chapter 1. And by the time he gets to Romans chapter 8, verse 34, he, he, he relays the gospel again. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. There's the death of Jesus. And then he says, because of that, nobody can lay anything to the charge of God's elect because it's God who justified by the death of his son. And then he goes on to say, and he rose again. And now he's sitting on the right hand of God. Paul was convicted of the truth of the gospel and that because of the gospel, now those who obeyed the gospel were the ones who were God's elect, God's chosen people, not the Jews as was before. And that now Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God interceding for us. Good news, gospel, a story, an account of the death and burial and resurrection delivered to us in words, 1 Corinthians 2, by the Holy Spirit. Wow. When we think about that, when we think about the gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, how do we obey an account? How do we obey a truth? How do we, well, there's a very clear picture of that given us in this same book that we're studying in Romans chapter 6. The way that we obey some good news is found in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. What do we say then? Do we keep on sinning so that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we who are dead to sin live any longer in it? Because don't you know, and here he goes with the gospel again. Don't you know that as many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Remember, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. How do we obey that? Well, we, we imitate it. We represent it. When we die to sin and then we are buried, therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death. So that just like Christ was, wait, here's the resurrection, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should arise and walk in newness of life. Because we've been planted together, buried with him, united with him by the likeness of his death, we can also, by the likeness, be in the likeness of his resurrection. Because our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed or done away, so that henceforth we should not serve sin, because we died to sin, and we're freed from sin. If we are dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And then here's the resurrection part again. Knowing that Christ, 
being raised from the dead dies no more. Death then has no more dominion over him. He was done with death. For in that he died, he died to sin once, finished with it. But in that he lives, he lives to God. So likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof, or yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. Because sin, verse 14, shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law but under grace. I love that. We're not under the old law. We're under the system of grace. And the way that we obey the gospel is by enacting it through dying to sin, through being buried in the waters of baptism, and rising again to walk in newness of life. We obey the gospel. And from that point on, we are unashamed that we have submitted to the tenets of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I hope you have a good day.